This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 7.47 Monday, the 30th of January, and you're listening to The Morning Run. Now, last week, Local Government Development Minister Nga Koming said that his ministry would examine case studies and best practices to tackle the affordable housing issue for Malaysia. One such case that he will be looking at is, of course, Singapore's Housing and Development Board's public housing program, which many around the world regard as a success in providing more than 80% of its citizens with affordable homes in an otherwise very expensive city-state. And Nga said the Singaporean government had given its nod for HDB flat contractors to visit Malaysia to share their expertise on building affordable homes. Affordable housing has been a long-standing issue in Malaysia Malaysia, with Bank Nagara noting there has been a mismatch of demand and supply. For example, only about 36% of newly launched housing units since 2015 are priced below 300,000 ringgit, whereas 76% of households in Malaysia earn less than 8,332 ringgit a month needed to afford house prices above 300,000 ringgit. So, can Malaysia adopt a similar program to Singapore's HDB initiative? What makes it so successful and are there? or cause any issues with it. For some thoughts, we have on the line with us Alan Chong, Executive Director at Savills Singapore. Good morning, Alan. Now, much has been said about the success of Singapore's HDB model in providing housing for nearly 80% of Singaporeans. Help us understand why this model is such a success. All right. Um, okay, that 80% actually came about, uh, we hit that 85, 80, 85% by the late 80s. So uh, within a short span of 20 plus years, um, you know, Singapore managed to get that 80%. And thereafter, it's been stagnating and actually it's been pulling back as private housing uh, takes a larger share due to rising income. Now, the success of HDB is down to a few pointers. Number one, uh, that's determined government support uh, and planning across ministries. So across ministries means not only the housing, uh, the Ministry of National Development, which is where HDB is under. It also involves uh, the Ministry of Law, where they have to activate land acquisitions, uh, the, invoke the Land Acquisition Act to bulk up the land at low cost. These were done in the 60s, 70s and 80s. And then number two, we also need to have financing schemes to help the applicants. As many of these applicants are lower income, so they will have to have some uh, preferred payment schemes to help them. Number three, there should be um, good quality construction for the flats so that it lasts at least an economy, it has an economic life of 50, 60 years. Then number four, we should have uh, also the ability to build on the community Given the fact that you came from, say, uh, a, a kampong environment and you are then housed in in all these bricks and mortar environment, then the community spirit has to be, um, you know, continued. And that would mean that you have to divide, uh, provide for facilities. Then number five, uh, we have to prioritize the, the uh, for citizens, say Malaysian citizens, so that they can apply for these flats. And lastly which is very important, there should be very strong follow-up on property and estate management to ensure that the estates do not degenerate into slums. So the first five points are there, but the sixth point, without a follow-through in estate management and enforcement, uh, this thing will you know, have a big bang at a start and then it fizzles out and becomes an eyesore. 
And Alan, can you give us a sense how hard is it to get a HDB flat and could families upgrade to larger units when their financial capabilities increase? How does this work? It's not that difficult to get a HDB flat as long as, number one, you are a Singaporean um, and number two, the applicant is a Singaporean and number two, if you are applying young um, early on in life, the they tied HDB with family uh, policies. So you've got to show that you are going to be married and you can show that proof, then you apply for HDB flat. I think in, for Malaysia, maybe you need to look at that, whether you want to tie policies on uh, you know family planning or not to uh, HDB. Maybe I don't think Malaysia faces a, a demographic problem, but... Singapore, we have that tying in. So other than that, it'll be income. There's some income cap on HDB uh, today, but at the start, the income cap was kept very low so that uh, it's just a couple of thousand dollars uh, a month. And so that was uh, for the household. So that's not that difficult to get HDB flat. It's only because we have developed that if you want a HDB flat in a good location, people are very picky and they will just reject all the options that are available. And, and Alan, people are, who are looking to buy houses generally want housing prices to remain lower, while owners of the home want to see more appreciation. How does the government balance the pricing considerations of HDB units in the open market? I think it's still, um, uh, uh, there's still this a tug of war going on. Although the authorities have repeatedly said that at the end of the 99-year lease term, the HDB land will revert to the government. But on the ground, the actions of the transactors do not seem to be playing out that way. They seem to be very dismissive. Of, they're taking on a dismissive stance. And in like 222, um, the resale prices of HDB flats rose about 9 to 10% year on year. And in 221, was about 13%. So, you know, in, in the resale market, these flats are almost like, uh, you know, at least 90, 95 years or even less uh, uh, years left in their leases. Some of them are 60 years, 70 years, and yet prices are still rising. So it is still an investment good despite all this, uh, you know, um, government talk that it will revert back to the state. Okay, Alan, but are there any issues with regards to Singapore's housing system? Any people that perhaps are left out or is the system so complicated that it's hard to navigate? Because I understand the different rules if you're single, different rules uh, for retirees. Uh, help us navigate this, please. I think, uh, well, it's a minefield, really. It's like if you draw a flow chart down, it starts to break, it starts to uh, bifurcate once you move to the next step. Now, retirees, you can have the option of applying for HDB flats with a lease life that is less than uh, 99 years. It can be 40 years, or it can be lesser. So that's, uh, again, you know, we go into that, there are quite a few details. Usually, you, you want to find out more, you can Google uh, for HDB flat applications for retirees or short lease left, short lease term HDB flats. Then for singles, you can buy a HDB flat provided you are over 35 years old, um, but you can only buy it from the resale market. Uh, but singles, 
can also buy new BTO, built-to-order flats. Unfortunately, there are also some conditions that come with it and the lease life of that flat may not be 99. That means you buy a shorter term lease. So um, it's not difficult. And the only way, you know, it, it looks difficult if the income per capita of the country is not up to spec. But once you have reached a certain level of development and the income goes up, uh, you can easily... You know, if you don't like the convolutions or convolution HDB application process, you can always go rent or you can always buy a smaller private apartment. And Alan, uh, in your view, do you think Malaysia could replicate Singapore's HDB model and what sort of tweaks would need to be made? I think Malaysia definitely can replicate the Singapore HDB model. Um, at the start, I think one doesn't need really need to focus too much on providing too many accoutrements and design features to such housing, right? Singapore started off with providing basic housing. I think that should be the way forward. Uh, and that should always be the focus of public housing and not to build uh, anything, you know, beyond uh, the basic. Well, I say basic, I don't mean basic, basic. It's basic plus with some, uh, um, well, uplift from what you have from a basic uh, flat. Now, um, so don't provide bells and whistles to public housing and keep it affordable. And there should be strict enforcement and checks because people will abuse this. If you are giving public housing at a very low cost, subsidized cost, there will be people who are not needy of such housing and they will try to profit from it for, by using proxies to buy. So there should be strict enforcement about this. And finally, I think the thing to make it work is just sheer determination by the authorities to want to see the scheme through. And it's very possible. All right. Thank you very much for your time. That was Alan Chong, Executive Director of Seville Singapore, ending the conversation that all it takes is sheer determination to make it happen. And yes, we do need that to make sure that there is affordable housing for all that deserve it. Yes, uh, I mean, of course, he says, look, the design has to be really functional and basic. What I think he also pointed out, which is very important, is that all the different parts of the value chain in developing the property industry must work much closer together. Yeah, there needs to be also property and estate and uh, management that is enforced. Up next, of course, we have the Breakfast Grill where Shazana speaks to Kari Jamaluddin, former UMNO Youth Chief that's happening before the 8am news bulletin. But first, a quick message. Bursa Malaysia rolled out a scheme called Shares to Share in November 2022. This scheme enables you to donate your listed securities or proceeds from their sale to charities supported by Yayasan Bursa Malaysia. Find out how you can make a difference in generating the much-needed funds for charitable and worthy causes where Keith Kam talks to Emilia T, Director of Group Sustainability at Bursa Malaysia, today at 9.15am. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.